It's time for another episode of the Core Extra Podcast. <laughs> he had the hair in the middle of his buck and a horn on the top of his head. Big triangle-shaped shiny object in the sky. I don't know what it was. That's, that's enough. That's enough. That's enough. None of this stuff is real. I know what I saw. Welcome, everyone, to the first edition of The Attic. Be prepared to hear the unexpected and the unexplained. Tonight's episode is... The Coons Spirit Room in Athens, Ohio. So here's the story of the Coons Spirit Room. Jonathan Coons was the head of the family, and his wife's name was Abigail, and they had nine children. They were farmers, but well-versed in politics and the philosophy of the times. They settled and farmed an area in Athens County called Mount Nebo, sits up on top of a hill. Well, in early 1852, Jonathan Coons had come across a newspaper description of the Fox family. Now, the Fox family were sisters that had these parties or had these um, seances, and they were called rappings because the spirits would rap on the wall. And in response to questions. So you would say, is it yes or no? Well, you had to call out the alphabet and get all the way to the Y, and then the spirit would rap on the wall, and then you get to the E and rap on the wall. So these were called rappings, okay? So Coons wanted to look into these things. So he, he attended several seances around Ohio, and then that's how he learned from the spirits that he was a gifted medium. So when he returned home, he also discovered that Abigail and his oldest son, and I think I'm pronouncing it right, Nahum, which was N-A-H-U-M, they were also endowed with psychic abilities. And as you research the story of Jonathan Coons, you find out that Coons was really trying to debunk some of these uh, psychic abilities that he had heard about. And in the midst of trying to debunk them, he found out that he was a gifted medium. That's unusual. It is unusual. So the Coons start holding their own seances in their own room in their, in their house. And it was that time that they were ordered by spirits to build what they would call, and would later be called, the Coons Spirit Room. Now, this was just not a... Uh, haphazard thing that they went through, haphazard event. Okay, so here's how the program usually went. Okay? I've been to seances before. Tell me, explain. Yeah, yeah. so here's how theirs went. So after they after an audience would be seated, the lights were turned out and the doors and windows all closed. It would be completely black. The start of the seance was usually announced by the banging of a bass drum, which sounded in that it was described back then it sounded like a cannon going off. Okay, so the coons they would sit at the table, his wife and his son behind beside him, and they would start playing a lively tune on a fiddle. In moments, all the other instruments would join in, keeping perfect time, although played by unseen hands. Now, what is more astounding, according to reports, was that the instruments did not remain stationary, but would circle the room, playing wildly as they danced around the room. Okay. So now it's in complete darkness, but okay. yet 
you can still tell that something is going on in this room, right? Sure. All right. So, now throughout all of this, Coons was not the master of ceremonies, but it was a spectral voice that came through the tin horn. He called himself John King, and he proclaimed that he was the leader of spirits present, which numbered up to 165 spirits in all. Damn. So the coons would have these seances, and they're in the room, and um, they say it was 165 of them, spirits. And he was, uh, he was said to be the spirit from a Welsh buccaneer named Henry Morgan, who had died in 1688. So King and his daughter Katie became popular fixtures at the Coons seances and later with the famous Davenport brothers as well, which that's a whole other story, the Davenport I've brothers. heard of them. Have you? Yes, I have. So when you start looking into these things, you start hearing the same names over and over and over, right? But I've told you about the room, and I've told you about some of the stuff that's in the room, but I need to tell you there are certain specifications on how the room was built, and this is the important part. When the Coons built the room, according to the instructions from the spirits, that it was a log cabin that was 12 by 14 feet, had three shuttered windows, a single door, and seven-foot-high ceilings. So it's a pretty big room, really. Yeah, that is huge. The room was then furnished with benches that would hold about 20 people. All right? So you have about 20 people in the room. Now, there was I mentioned the musical instruments before, but these weren't just thrown in haphazardly, okay? The musical instruments had to be as follows. A tenor drum, a bass drum, two fiddles, a guitar, an accordion, a trumpet, a tin horn, a T-bell, a triangle, and a tambourine. Is this all they could play? Yeah, well, that's everything the, that had to be the in spirit. The spirits would play these. Now, it's important to point out, before people listening to this think, well, this is a big scam. The Coons are just trying to get rich. The Coons were not rich people. They didn't have a lot of money. They were farmers. And during all of this, during all of this, they still had to maintain their farm. Now, not being wealthy enough to go out and buy all these instruments and all this stuff, they had to go out and scrounge them as best as they could, you know. They ordered some. I mean, they bought some. And they borrowed some from neighbors, okay? So nobody's, this is not a money Nobody's thing. getting, making money out of this. No, no, just notoriety. So now they have all of this stuff together, but the spirits demand something more. They demand two tables, a rack for the musical instruments, and wire with which to suspend a few small bells and some images of doves that were cut from sheets of copper. So you have to think that the Coons really believed in what they were doing because they didn't have money to do this, okay? So what happens when all of this gets together, people literally from all over the country start going there. Now, when you say Athens, Ohio, Athens, Ohio is about a three-hour drive from Cincinnati now. Right. So can you imagine what it was like to get there in 1852 or Uh, the 1850s? Yeah. So the spirit room was very, very popular place, okay? And they say that when everything would get going in there, you could, you could hear a mile in any direction. You could hear all the racket that was made in there, okay? So now when you think about what time period we were in the country, um, you know, people coming from all over, literally 
coming from different states going there that something must have been going on in that coon spirit. Oh, yeah. I would imagine so. I mean, to bring the people in, word of mouth carries. Word of mouth. Even back then, word of mouth carried. So the coons are doing their thing, right? Okay. Like I say, it's coming from all over. So this room was a big deal. It was so big a deal. There was another spirit room that started by the Tippy family who lived three miles across the valley from the Coons. It was never as popular, but it managed to draw some visitors who came searching for the spirits in that area. Now, the Tippies had ten children, also boasted musical performances by the spirits, but visitors were reportedly disappointed that no spectral hands appeared. So it sounds like, to me, just the research I did, it sounds like the Tippy was just trying to capitalize on what was going on. Probably. And that's what it sounds like to me. It sounds like the tippies were in it for money. Yeah, because they never got as popular. The other not. So this goes on for a number of years. Now it's around 1858. Now this goes on for a number of years. But eventually, both of the family moved out of the area. The tippies went to Colorado and the Coons to Illinois. So after this, Coons announced that the spirit John King had departed his, and his tin horn was now silent. So eventually, Coons and his family just disappeared from the annals of spiritualism altogether. Um, now, when you read about the Coons family, when you follow up about the Coons family, there's a slight mention. And even when you do research on spiritualism and seances, you hear about a machine. And even what I described to you with the tin bells and the horns and, and all of that, they don't really put it together and tell you that it was a machine. And what I'm getting to is because of the slow nature of the wrapping parties, people wanted to get their information quickly. Sure. Okay. It's the same as today. Same as today. So now remember, the telegraph had already been around. So you could communicate for somebody in Ohio to California or to the other side of the country during telegraph. So now people started saying to the coons, how come I can talk to somebody on the other side of the country, right, right. a human, but a spirit, I have to sit through these rapping parties? <laughs> you know? And they didn't charge any money. They didn't charge any money. So no. they're not doing it for profit. No. So. so what happens is the coons create the coons spirit machine. After the break, I'll tell you about the spirit machine because we have exact specifications, because it was actually printed in the Cleveland Plain Dealer newspaper. Nopeville is a paranormal true crime supernatural podcast about all the scary and terrifying things that make you say nope. Join your tour guides, Christine and Jen, every Sunday as they take you on an all-inclusive tour through the city of Nopeville. You can find Nopeville on all your favorite podcast directories. Check them out. They're really good. Okay. So, Steve, before the break, I was telling you about the Coon Spirit Room and the Coon Spirit Machine. So here's what happens. When the Coons were told to build the Spirit Room, they were also told to build a spiritual machine. Now, you don't hear much about this, and I'm not sure why you don't hear much about it. You hear a lot about the coons. You hear a lot about the tippies. 
You hear about the, um, what are they, the Fox sisters. But you don't hear much about this machine. It only gets a slight mention, okay? Okay. But let me describe the machine to you. Let me describe the machine to you, tell you what it's about, and go on. So according to the legend, the coons were ordered, when they were ordered, when they were directed to build the room, they were also told about building a machine. So what was this machine like? So what I'm going to read to you now about this machine is as it appeared in the Plain Dealer and some other articles uh, and some other periodicals back then. Okay, according to the Plain Dealer, okay, here's the description of the Coon Spirit Machine. It was, six, it was a six-legged table about six feet long by two and a half feet high. The table and the wood portion of the machinery is cherry, which is stained and varnished. It was 30 inches wide, supported by six legs, and it had four drawers, which contained, save a few dishes of paintbrushes, pencils, charts, and, and those were for the use of the um, spirits. So resting on the tabletop was a four-foot-high wooden framework supported by an upright post topped with an ornate glass knob. The framework consisted of either two or four curved wooden pieces, that were somewhat the shape of the letter F. Attached, the letter F? The letter F is in Frank. Now, attached to the outside of this frame were two important components, drums, a larger bass drum, and a smaller tenor drum, firmly secured to the machinery and to the table by some wires. So according to legend, again, the spirits would beat mightily on these drums and announce their arrival in the room or play them in a masterly manner. So this was not some sloppy sound that amateurs would make, you know? Right. The copper wires were wrapped with zinc and are extremely important to the spirit machine's construction, not just to bind the whole thing together. The wires were woven into a kind of network with copper and tin plates to serve sort of a battery to facilitate the spirit's design of their electrical machine. The table at its core was exactly that, designed by the spirits for collecting and retaining electricity so that through this energy they might manifest in charged confines of the spirit room. So this is not something that was just thrown together. No, um, I, it, did you say electricity? Well, yeah, all of these things, if you hear what I'm reading to you, it's all like designed to generate and maintain electricity. Well, which, these are way ahead of their time. Which, well, yeah, you know. So, so, and and, and you remember, remember now, the coons are farmers. Yeah, you know they're farmers. So, where do they get this? Where do they get the knowledge? Where do they to get the knowledge to do things? this? Uh, because if you look at the illustration, it's very complicated. And right now is a good time to tell you I've put the illustrations from the Cleveland Plain Dealer on our Twitter page and Instagram page, so you can go to either one. So we're going to have thousands of these coon machines <laughs> yeah, people over making, the country. They'll be making them all over, you know, everywhere. So as I read you before, next to this machinery was a violin, an accordion, a triangle, two drumsticks for the large and two for the small drum. There's also uh, on the table a common-sized dinner bell, harmonica, tambourine, and a tin trumpet about two feet in length. Okay, so as I'm 
researching this, I'm finding the same things written over and over and over, you know, about this spirit machine. So it's probably impossible to say that this machine doesn't exist. Now, here's another important thing. Are there any machines still in existence? We don't know. At least I don't know. But let me tell you this. There's a couple of tidbits I need to mention. Okay. Jonathan Coons was clearly the spiritual machine's creator. His neighbor and collaborator, John Tippy, had an identical table machine housed in an identical room just three miles away. So there was actually two of these machines. Now, here's something I left out as I'm describing these machines. I've given you the description of the machines and how they work. Now, the design for these machines is get the information quickly. And the long and short of the story is the Coons spirit machine is credited with being a precursor to the ultra-popular Ouija board. Yeah, there it is, the full circle. So when you look up Ouija board and talk about the Ouija board, what it comes back to is the Coons machine was the precursor, was the beginning, the foundation of it. Now, in the spiritualism world, people say the Coons spirit machine was real. Ouija board is a toy. It was marketed as a toy, and there may be some validity to using them. I'm not saying it's not. But hardcore people in this, in this area have, I've read, at least what I've read, is that the Coons spirit machine was a real deal, and it was kind of a bastardized ver- version that has now become the toy, which is the Ouija board. Not to say that the Ouija board doesn't work, because in spiritualism they say, you know, if you believe it, it's real. Like some people say, well, I don't believe in voodoo. Well, you get down there. If the person using voodoo believes in it, <laughs> you get the same result. Right, right, yeah. You know, and that's what a lot of people think with the, with the Ouija board. But the Coon Spirit Machine sounds like it was the real deal. You got to remember something. You couldn't, information didn't flow like it does now. No, not at all. Now there would be 100 people down there doing scientific experiments to debunk it. So you could say, well, the Coons and the, even the Tippies took advantage of that. Well, none of them got rich. The Coons and the Tippies moved out, like I told you, and basically disappeared. Out of, from the spirit world, spiritualism practices, they disappeared. Maybe the spirit told them to stop. Maybe the spirit said, your work is done. Maybe it was one or two people who came there to the, to the coon's room, got the information they needed, and maybe that was the whole design from the spirit world. You know, you don't know. But we do know that these machines existed, and they've heard enough about it, or they took it seriously enough for the plain dealer, the Cleveland plain dealer newspaper, which is still around today. Yeah. For, the, for them to put diagrams and diagnostics in the newspaper. Can you imagine that now? No, not at all. <laughs> no. So I've given you a r- summary of the Coons um, Spirit Room and the Spirit Machine. And I encourage anybody that wants to know more, just Google it, go on and read about it, and you'll learn a lot from it. We are both here in Ohio, and I was not aware of this. I never, no, I've never heard of it. You know what? We ought to... One day, take a ride up to Athens right. just to see if this 
if there's anybody there, well, obviously there's no one being alive, but we could go to the, well, if they are. Well, and during the research, though, the there are uh, descendants from the Coons family still around. And I'm you know, sure so. that they could tell us, or the historic society up there sure. could tell us if, you know, what, I don't want to say if this is real or not, because, no, 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 no. but we're, we're taking that the Ouija board is not real. It's, it's marketed as a game. I mean, I guess they're not going to market it as a, right. you know. Well, I'm not going to say it's not real. I'm going to say the second half of what you said, that it's marketed as a toy. Not real meaning I'm not telling you it won't work for you. You know, um, I've heard stories, and I have a friend that told me a firsthand story about the board. Um, her daughter had some friends over, and they were playing with the board. The daughter's a teenager at the time. And their words, not mine, they conjured up some spirit and asked it a question and started joking around. And the lights went out. The lights started to flicker, and some things they had hanging on the wall fell down, <laughs> fell down and broke, and they ran out of the house. Now, that doesn't sound like a game. It doesn't sound like a game to me, and I don't think she would make that up because we weren't talking about that. She just said, let me tell you a weird thing that happened. Well, you know, with the Ouija board, right? You know, let me try it again. You know, with the Ouija board, all you ever hear, though, are negative Right responses. So, right. and you know how people like to twist sure. things so it comes out to be the more dramatic. I mean, no one. I've never heard a story where they contacted their father and the father who had just died says, "I'm okay. Don't worry right. about me. I left money under the floorboard." No, it's always, you know, kind of a sneak right. attack on you. Trying to pull you in that, oh, look how nice this is, where it's really, let's, I'll just say it, a demon or something that's sure. trying to, and, and look. Well, look at it like this. Look at it like this. And people I've talked to about the board and doing seances and all that, they tell me something that's important. So you get out the board and start playing with it, and you, you believe that you've conjured up this entity, Okay. Well, two things. One, it's not like you can only contact good spirits. Right. So you're right. Get, you getting all of them. So you're getting good and bad, if you believe. And number two, when you put the board away and your game's over, well, the game's not over for the spirits. It's not like they say, well, we can't come through anymore. I mean, you've opened the door. They kind of tell me, one, one person put it best. They said, you know, it is the... Um, the old cliche of the barn door. You open the barn door and the horses get out. Well, when you close the door, the horses don't say, well, I guess we better go back in. I mean, they're out. Right. They're out. <laughs> you know. So that's another thing to believe. And, I mean, another thing to understand. So in your opinion, after doing all this research, is the Coon spirit room for real? Not. I guess it is for real because they built it. But did it do what it was supposed to do? Did it bring the spirits through? Well, so let's look at it. Here's what I'll say. 
if somebody built a room in the middle, in a remote part of Ohio, and I guess back then a dollar would have been a lot, you know, and charged a dollar for everybody to get in, I think they could have done a much simpler setup, okay? They could have done a much simpler setup and charged people a dollar and had all the lights, well, not lights, but, you know, had lighting down and performed what would basically be a magic trick or an illusion, you know? But I don't think it would have to be that detailed to pull off uh, a, a trick. Now, saying all of that, they didn't charge anybody anything. So they made no money off of it. All they had was notoriety. I mean, I can't find any way that they profited from it. Uh, either family. It's just now, I'm sure maybe people bought loaves of bread or or something. You know what I mean? I mean, right. like today, people say, well, if I go over there, I better do this. And maybe some people did give them money. I don't know. But I can't imagine the type of people that were going there at the time uh, having a lot of money. In fact, in fact, with spiritualism and everything, the higher up you were in society, the more you hid it. You know, you didn't want people to know you were doing this. I think it's much like it remains that you had people that exhausted other options of hope uh, looking for uh, cures or anything, and they went down to the Coon Spirit Room. So my long answer to your question is, obviously, they had seances there. Obviously, there was a machine there. So now it boils down to, did it work? I can't imagine that it did not work, and we can't find anything in the plane dealer or writings to say, this was just a big scam, I wasted my time. Okay? Um, you've had people from, there's testimony from people from Cincinnati, as far away from Cincinnati, uh, New York, Michigan, all of these areas that went down and said that what they thought was happened, what happened, happened in the Coon Spirit Room. So I guess you have to say the bottom line is that it did work. They believed. So they that's, believed it worked. That's the main thing. And then it went on to spur, whether you want to call it a game or a device, it went on to spur the Ouija board, which is still around today. Yeah, you know, I don't see it too much in stores. Not, not not now, but there's been plenty of movies. You know, yeah. uh, one thing I found in my research is that um, Grace Kelly used to use it to bet on the horses. He used really? to use a Ouija board. Because. So, I'm, and so I can't imagine that no one is using the Ouija board right now. Nobody. Anywhere. You know no, what I mean? No, because there's a lot of people who go to... Um, Spiritualists, sure. Well, I'm, I'm saying there must be people in their homes that still use it. It has to be, yeah. You know, because everything. Yeah, you know what I mean. I mean, I don't think it's just gone. You just probably don't hear about it as much now, until a movie comes out or something like that. So I would say, you know, the Coons, um, even though you don't hear much about them, a little room in Athens, Ohio, is right in the center of the whole practice of spiritualism in the United States, if not around the world. Well, that's very fascinating. Yeah. Well, for our first episode of The Attic, I think we should have started with something basic, and we did. Sure, we did. We started with something that everybody knows about. Right. Every, I mean, 
obviously everybody didn't know the Coons family, but everyone knows the. I don't think there's anybody out there doesn't know the Ouija board. Right. So we've worked this completely around to something that appeals to everyone. Right. So Uh, hopefully, well, look, I think that's all we have, and hopefully you've enjoyed our first episode, as Steve said. So now let us give you a preview of our next episode of The Attic. Next week on The Attic. Think you know everything about World War II? Think again. The Philadelphia Experiment. I know you've done a lot of work looking into the Philadelphia Experiment, so I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, Yeah, it, it was fascinating. It was something that I had not known. I'm sure some of our listeners have heard of it before, um, but, you know, I just thought it was a little bit out there that maybe we should bring it back and explain it and see what our listeners think. Well, it sounds good. I'm looking forward to it. So that concludes our first episode of The Attic. Um, Anyone out there who has any emails, letters of any paranormal stuff that's happened to you, send it in to us. We'll read it, and uh, our listeners would love to hear. Absolutely. Just you, You know how to reach us by now. We're everywhere. Podcasts are around Gmail. You can reach us. You can reach us Twitter, Instagram. We're everywhere for your convenience. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We really appreciate it. And on next week's episode of The Attic, Steve does the Philadelphia Experiment. Thanks, guys.